Good morning, West Bulls. I love you guys so much. You guys are the best. Um, so yeah, I, I am the brains behind a lot of things. So um, <clears throat> what an amazing week of Vacation Bible School. Uh, it just exemplifies what we are here for, you know, just loving each other in community. But I think after this last week, some of us need to refuel, right? <laughs> and so we're talking about refuel uh, this summer. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about refueling by trusting God. Uh, but before that, I'm curious, how many people have trust issues? You can raise your hand. Okay. All right, I got to stand up. <laughs> this is not working. <clears throat> okay. I am someone that would say I have trust issues. Um, I think it all started when I was a little kid, and, and I grew up kind of in a, a Baptist church, and we'd have potlucks, and I would go over to someone's house, and I would see a plate of freshly baked cookies, and I would go over and take a cookie and bite into it, and guess what? Raisin. Raisin cookie. Oatmeal raisin cookie that looks like disguised as a chocolate chip cookie. That is not fair. It all stemmed from there. My trust issues have just started from that time on. Who can you trust if you can't trust a cookie, right? Well, um, when John and I got married, I thought, okay, well, at least I can trust my husband, right? And, um, yeah, and you know how at the wedding ceremony, actually, not the wedding ceremony, at the reception, you're supposed to feed each other cake, right? Well, I thought he was going to lovingly give me a piece of cake, but instead, he jammed it up my nose. And guess who told him to do that? Brad Brady. <laughs> True story. <laughs> okay, and then you have kids, and you think maybe, maybe you can trust your kids because you know what? You're with them from the time they're infants, and you can tell them how important honesty is. You can take them to Awana and Vacation Bible School. You can read them Bibles, you know, scriptures about not lying to your parents, just, you know, respecting your parents. Um, you'd think that they were just going to be little angels, especially when John and I are, you know, their parents. But <clears throat> let me tell you a little story about my daughter, Georgia. My, my daughter, Georgia, she is a really great kid. Um, she doesn't like being lied to. Honesty is very, very important to her. So one day, just this last year, I was in the kitchen and just kind of cleaning up, and she came in, and she kind of held up her hand for a high five. goes, high five, Mom. So I went... And she goes, jellyfish. I'm like, what, did, what, what, what the what? What did you just do? And she's like laughing. She's like, oh, I got you. And so then she holds her hands out. Nice job, mom. And so I go for, to slap her hand, jellyfish. I said, did you say jellyfish? What is this? Is this a new way of greeting people? I don't get this. Like, and she's like, I got you twice. I'm like, okay, whatever. So she's like, you're a good sport, mom. Goes in for a fist bump. So I go in for the fist bump. Jellyfish. <laughs> and at that point, I'm getting a little irritated because I don't even know what jellyfish means. But I am a sucker and, you know, fool you once, shame on me, twice, whatever. Anyway, I was like feeling like a big idiot. And at this time, my sister, my, or her sisters, my other daughters are like going, what's going on in there? She was like, I got her three times with the jellyfish. And uh, I'm like, okay, whatever. And I was like, you are a little stinker. Get out of the kitchen, and you need to learn how to respect your mom. She goes, okay, I pinky swear I won't do it again. So I hold out my pinky. She goes, little jellyfish. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to hurt you. 
At that point, my other daughters are cracking up, laughing. George is crying from being, you know, just so funny. I know, it's so funny. And I'm like, get out of here. And she's like, okay, you're the best mom. She comes in for a big hug, and I go, oh, she goes, big jellyfish. So I came after her and said, hammerhead shark. This is going to be a new thing, hammerhead shark. I do not accept hugs from her anymore. Do not trust that little girl. Okay. Well, anyway, let me get ahead on my notes. I, I, my notes are in like 20 font now because I can't see anymore. Anyone at that? <laughs> okay. So Nathan asked me to give the message this morning a couple months ago, and you know we're going through psalms, different psalms. And um, so after the initial dread and panic went away of like, oh my gosh, i got to talk again. Um, it's been a while, but I, I, I asked him if I could do Psalm 71, because Psalm 71 is what I call my life psalm. Um, this, in this psalm, David is uh, reflecting on his life. He's probably middle-aged or older, and um, he's looking back and talking about God's faithfulness and the assurance that we can trust him. So he writes, Lord, I put my trust in you. I have trusted in you since I was young. I have relied on you all my life. You have protected me since the day I was born. I think that's pretty amazing to think that God has been watching over you from the day you were born and has always been with you and has never left you. So a little bit about me. Um, so I grew up a preacher's kid. Um, I moved about once a year on average. So by the time I was 20, uh, my family had lived in about 15 different houses. And people would ask if my dad was in the military, right? And they'd say, nope, the ministry. <laughs> we just go where God leads us. Um, but because of this, I had a lot of fears growing up. Every year I was a new kid in school, and sometimes I would go to school and it was halfway through the school year. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know, you know, the cliques and the rules and all that stuff. And, um, and then on top of that, if I made a friend, then I knew that they would be out of my life within a year. And so I just didn't even want to put in the effort because it wasn't worth, you know, getting, having that loss over and over again. So it was very isolating to grow up this way. And I kind of became a loner. Um, and, but in that time, like, we didn't have the internet or anything like that. Like, we didn't even have a TV um, for a while. So the one thing I had was my Bible, and I would pray and read the Bible and study the Bible, and, um, and God really gave me um, a lot of comfort through the Psalms uh, as I was growing up, because, you know, I was, I just felt like insecure so much, and I would go and I would read about David's words and how, you know, he trusted in his father who was always there for him. It doesn't mean that it was easy. Um, I... I found peace when I read the Psalms. I would feel this overwhelming sense of peace, and I loved that. But it usually was after a period of just really pouring my heart out to God and just, you know, asking Him to just be with me. Um, but I always found His peace. But it doesn't mean that it was easy to trust Him, and it didn't always happen immediately. Um, <clears throat> I trust God with something in my life, maybe little, and then He'd come through, and then I trust Him again, and He would come through and on and on. I would trust him, and he'd come through. So one thing I learned is that we learn to trust by trusting, right? How can you trust somebody unless you know that they have been uh, trustworthy in the past? The more you put your trust in someone, the more they come through for you, the more likely you are to trust them. 
Well, God has never let me down. But you have to take that first step, even if it's just a little one. And I promise God will be faithful. Um, and it may not look like the way you were hoping. Um, I moved every year, even though I prayed we'd stop moving. But God gave me his peace, and he gave me the strength to get through every difficult circumstance. So I encourage you, try it. Try trusting God with just a little thing. Start small. Maybe trust him to give you the energy to just get through the day. I pray that all the time. God, just give me the strength to get through today. Maybe with the words that you use when you're talking with your kids, you know, God, just guide this conversation. Um, maybe a misunderstanding between a spouse. God, just come in and help us to, you know, find some clarity and some understanding. Um, trusting him with maybe, you know, job resume, um, where he's going to lead you in the future, you know, what college to go to. Um, or, you know, just enough money to pay the bills at the end of the month. You know, God always provides. He always does. And we learn to trust by trusting him. The great thing is that a little bit of trust, the little bit of trust that I put in God when I was a kid in the small things really gave me the strength and the confidence to trust God later on when big things came up in my life. So I realized that we can trust God even in the middle, middle of hardships, right? Um, in Psalm 71, 20 through 21, David writes, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. So just because we pray to God doesn't mean we're exempt from troubles. It does mean, though, that he, has, he allows us to suffer hardship sometime, but he's always with us and he will always raise us back up again. Well, I've shared this story with a lot of you before, and some of you have heard about, you know, um, my testimony. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit about, again with just a little bit different twist on it, uh, maybe that I haven't shared before. So when I was 29 years old, I had just had my fourth baby girl. At that point, I couldn't imagine anything getting harder because having four kids under five, you know, and it just, yeah. Um, it was just like <laughs> sleep deprivation and ah, anyway, poor girls. Um, so one morning, uh, I just had um, my, I just had my baby Georgia, um, and she was two months old, and um, you know, so she woke up fussy, needing to be fed. Um, you know, I heard kids downstairs in the in the kitchen saying, "Where's mom? I need my breakfast," and things like that. And then I heard John saying, "Babe, I'm going to work." <laughs> so I was like, okay, time for me to get up. So I actually, I remember this so clearly. I remember laying there and having a pity party, like going, nobody cares about me, you know, like I've got to get up and take care of everybody else. And I, I was Im immediately, immediately kind of heard the, like this message. It wasn't like an audible voice, but I felt like God was just telling me, suck it up. Just put that pity party off for another day. It was very clear, and I laid there, and I was like, okay, God, what, what do you have for me today? And, and I, I promise you, God said, put on a pot of coffee. You've got a lot of work to do today. So I was like, okay. So I got myself up, went down, started some coffee, got the kids dressed. We were going to run to Kaiser to get flu shots and meet John there, and then we were all going to go to Walmart to do grocery shopping, you know, diapers and bread and all that stuff. So that was my big day. I'm like, yep, I needed a pot of coffee for that. Um, go to Walmart. Well, we get to the flu shot clinic over here at Kaiser on, at Southwest. And um, it was in the middle of November. It was November 14th. And it was a cold day. And my, my almost two-year-old daughter, Chloe, 
um, who normally doesn't throw fits, that morning had decided she wanted to wear shorts for the first time in her life. And I'm like, okay. So she put some shorts on, whatever. We just got to get to Kaiser. And so we're st- sitting there in the waiting room, and I notice these little dots on the back of her leg. And I'm thinking, okay, the, ne- the West Nile virus is going around, and I'm Mama Bear because I just had a baby. And I'm like, we're not getting her a flu shot if she's fighting something else. So I grab a nurse and say, hey, this looks a little suspicious. And they're just like, well, let me see if I can get a doctor to look at it. Well, a doctor just happened to be walking through the waiting room, and she said, hey, this lady was wondering about, you know, this rash on her daughter's legs. Well, this doctor looked at her and said, we need to do some lab tests right away. And, um, and she just had a gut feeling. The reason why she had a gut feeling is because she had had a son that had leukemia five years before then and had the same symptoms. So we went and we got blood tests done in the lab, and within an hour they had diagnosed her with leukemia, and 97% of her blood cells were cancerous, and she needed life-saving measures. Uh, she needed to start chemo right away. So within an hour or two of arriving at the flu shot clinic, John and I found ourselves driving down to Children's Hospital to get surgery for her so they could start giving her um, weekly IV infusions for the t- next 26 months. So needless to say, this was like getting run over by a train. Um, it was the biggest nightmare of our lives. Well, when we were in the office and they had finally and they gave us the diagnosis, um, my first split-second reaction was that we were only going to end up having three daughters instead of four. Now, I'm a planner. I wanted four kids, right? And so, don't judge me. The first thing <laughs> that goes through your mind and things like this is like kind of crazy. I thought, dang it, we're only going to have three girls. And, um, and also, John had just gotten a vasectomy, and I'm like, oh, man, now we've got to go reverse that. So I don't, <laughs> just weird, I know. Um, but then 0.5 seconds later, I was like, whoa, uh, you know what? She's going to be okay, because they said her survival chances were over 90%. But two seconds after that reaction, and this all happened just like this, I felt something that I have never shared with anyone before up until recently, because I thought people would think I was crazy but I literally felt overwhelming joy. Overwhelming joy and unexpected praise to God because I knew he was going to get us through this difficult time and do a mighty act in our lives and her life. It actually felt like my heart just leapt inside my chest. It was, it was the craziest thing I've ever felt. And I knew that since God had been faithful in the past, he was going to continue to be faithful. I knew he was going to come through for us. Um, I didn't share this with everyone because I was afraid that people would think that I was either in denial or, you know, just crazy or whatever. But, or what if I was wrong, you know? But uh, as we were driving to the hospital, John and I both looked at each other and we were both kind of crying, but we said, you know what, we're going to be okay. And we, and we were. So I learned something that day. I learned that God's faithfulness in the past gives us the confidence we need to trust him today and in the future. In Psalm 71, 15, David writes, I will always put my hope in you. I will praise you more and more. So I mentioned that I picked out a life psalm. So I also have picked out a life psalm for all of my daughters and for John um, and even a few of my friends. And basically, it's just, there's psalms that I just pray over them or I dedicate to them. I kind of like give them as a gift. Um, Well, I picked out Chloe's psalm when I was pregnant with her. 
um, which I did with all my kids. Like, I would be expecting, and then I would, like, you know, look in the Bible, and I would pray, and then God would just lead me to a psalm. So by the time I was pregnant with Chloe, I picked out her psalm, and it was Psalm 16. So a week after she was born, I'm holding her, and I'm kind of reading her psalm, and I'm like, nope, this isn't going to work. Um, this talks about death, dying, tears, stumbling, anxiety, and trouble. I'm not going to dedicate that to my sweet little baby girl. It's a terrible song. So <laughs> I picked up a pen, and I crossed the inscription out of my Bible. So God, nope, this is the wrong song. And I started to look for a new one. So here you can kind of make out the scribble in the Bible, um, her, her name and birth date. So I looked for another psalm for about a week, and God just kept pulling me back to that psalm. So I rewrote her name and date in my Bible next to Psalm 116, and I tucked the Bible away on my bookshelf and thought, I'm not reading this to her. <laughs> but fast forward almost two years later, that's when we found ourselves in the hospital, uh, starting the process of chemotherapy, and I feel like I'd been run over by a train, like a train over and over and over again. So since John and I had gone straight to the hospital from the flu shot clinic, um, I had him run home and get me a change of clothes and my Bible. Um, so he brought back the one that he found on the bookshelf that I put there two years before, not the one that I'd been reading by my bed. Well, when I picked up the Bible, it fell open to this page, and the first thing I saw was the inscription I had scribbled out. And then I looked down to the bottom of the page, and I found the inscription rewritten and dedicated to Chloe. So here we are in the hospital. I'm looking at her. She's in the hospital bed. I am looking at my Bible, and I read, I love the Lord because he hears and answers my prayers. Because he bends down and listens, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death had its hands around my throat. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow, and then I called on the name of the Lord. And down in verse 8, it says, He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. Isn't that amazing? I knew right then and there that God would never leave me or forsake me. He had given that psalm to Chloe two years before, already knowing she was going to be diagnosed that day and I would need that scripture at that moment. He had already made provisions for me to encourage me and to give me a hope. And I knew right then that he had everything under control. It was really a tangible God moment, like when you really just know without a doubt that God has everything under control and that he sees you and hears you, and it was amazing. And so I learned that God's faithfulness in the past gives us the confidence we need to trust him today and in the future. The interesting thing is, though, with this whole, um, this whole situation was that when God does a work in our life, it's, um, it's not just to benefit us. It's not just to bless us alone. Sometimes God allows us to go through struggles to display his power and his glory to others. Sometimes our faith and trust in him strengthens and encourages others. When we put our trust in God, it encourages others to trust in Psalm 71.7, David writes, My life has been an example to many because you have been my strong defender. So sitting in that hospital room, I felt like God told me to just sit back, get out of the way, and let him take care of things. This particular struggle was way too big for me, and it was not about me to begin with. 
there's a far greater purpose that, than just refining my faith. As soon as I realized that, I got out of the way, I let God do his work, and he had literally been preparing me for this exact time. I had trusted him in the past, I would trust him now, and hopefully others would trust him because of his faithfulness to our family. Many of you guys out here in the congregation, my church family, I've been here for almost 25 years. And many of you, whether you know it or not, have been examples to me at one time or another in how to trust God by the way you trusted him with your hard times. So many of you had times of difficulty. And I saw your prayer requests, and I see how God has come through for you. I watched my friend Cassie lose several children through miscarriage and SIDS, yet she continued to unwaveringly, unwaveringly trust God, seeking him daily, and she found the strength and comfort and peace that she needed. And that gave me confidence that I could trust God with Chloe too. I'm still encouraged by watching others live out their faith. Even today, I watched Jan go through cancer treatments, um, going back and forth to Houston, and she continued to put her trust in God. And you know what? You would never know it if you met her because she just radiates joy. So many of you are fighting hard battles right now. We all struggle with things in our lives. For our family, it was cancer. For you, it's something else, maybe. And we don't always know why, and that is really the tough part of it. We don't always find the answers that, that we want. We don't always know why God does the things he does. But people watch how we handle the big things and the small things. And how we react tells others about where we put our hope and where we find our source of strength and who or what we put our trust in. And it's really contagious. If, you, if I see you trust God and then I see how he moves in your life, I feel safe to do the same. Because he's the same God. It's who he is. He is trustworthy. If he's trustworthy for you, I know he's going to be faithful to me. It really doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. You could have a big family or a small family, single, uh, married, young or old. People are always watching how we handle the situations in our life and where we put our trust. I want you guys to look around this room and see how many different areas of life we are all involved in as a church family. We've got VBS and Sunday school teachers, daycare workers, public school teachers, aunts and uncles, parents, grandchildren, cousins, mentors, friends, students, youth leaders. We all can have a huge impact on the people around us. You are all planting seeds, whether you know it or not. When we trust in God, it encourages others to trust too. And when we trust him with big things and small, something remarkable happens. Not only are others encouraged to trust God, but we are divinely refueled. When we daily put our trust in God, the result is a life of gratitude and joy. In Psalm 71, 18 through 24, David writes, Now that I am old and gray, don't forsake me. Give me time to tell this new generation and their children too about all your mighty miracles. Your power and goodness, Lord, reach to the highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Where is there another God like you? I will praise you with music, telling of your faithfulness 
to all your promises, O Holy One of Israel. I will shout and sing your praises for redeeming me. Just like those kids were shouting this morning. It's amazing. I will talk to others about your goodness all day long. So hopefully it is evident that when we put our trust in God, we can't help but live a life of abundant gratitude and joy. It's unavoidable. It will happen. So every year we drive as a family down to Louisiana to visit uh, John's family. And um, his grandmother, Nancy, is 93 years old. We've been visiting her for um, almost 25 years now. We make the yearly pilgrimage in a car driving down, um, and we are gone for about 10 to 12 days. Now, she is a strong Southern woman. You know the kind that will grab a hold of your arm and you're afraid you're never going to get it back? You know, just, hi. No, <laughs> she's so loving, and she's just a strong, amazing woman of faith. And she's just raised her kids to love God. Well, we were down here, they're visiting her just this last uh, month. And we were asking her about her mom, you know, because she's been such a huge impact to her family and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. But, you know, we don't know what her mom was like. So she was telling us about her mom. She said that her mom used to kneel, literally kneel beside the bed every night to pray. I just think that's so amazing. Um, and she said that when she finally got too old to get out of bed, she had her family come in and pray with her. And one night they came in, and she said, I have a song I want to play you. And the name of the song was I'm Completely Satisfied. So she had them listen to the song, I'm Completely Satisfied. And then one week later, she died at 84 years of age. This was a woman that daily put her trust in God, and because of that, she led a life of gratitude and joy, of being completely satisfied to the very end. That is what I want for myself. And that is what I want for all of you. I want a fulfilled, refueled life of gratitude, joy, and complete satisfaction. Who doesn't want that, right? It all begins with a little bit of trust. Of trusting God once, then trusting him again, and then again. And then realizing that he can handle the big things that come up in life as well. Cancer, divorce, job loss, broken relationships. These are big, scary things, but as you trust in God with the small things, you'll be able to trust him with the big ones too. You'll have the confidence that God's faithfulness in the past means that you can trust him today and in the future. And as we all learn to do that, it becomes contagious because you see God at work doing incredible things in people's lives. Others will follow your example and become confident that they can trust God in their lives as well. And as we learn to trust him, we end up living a life that is full of joy and gratitude, of complete satisfaction. So I urge you to give it a try. Just try trusting him today, just in one or two little small things. I can confidently promise that he will be faithful. He always is faithful, because that's who he is. I'm going to invite Lori Verbal back up here to lead us in a final song. I asked her to sing, I Will Trust in You, one of my favorite songs. So thank you very much.